Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what works with social media. Very excited about today's show. Today, we're going to explore how to make money with your platform, and I'll be joined by David Seitman Garland from the Rise to the Top podcast. Now, this episode is really ideal for any blogger, any podcaster, or any YouTuber out there who has built a platform and needs to figure out a way to monetize it, whether it be a side project or whether it be your full-time gig. I'm also going to share a cool new tool that makes it really easy for people to share your content on Pinterest. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and share that right now. After introducing a vegetarian diet to piranhas, look what Michael Stelzner discovered. I have a really cool discovery that uh, I came across just recently, and it is a WordPress plugin. And what it allows you to do is if anyone visits your website and they hover over certain images, a pin it button occurs, or appears, I should say and the image appears slightly faded out, and it allows them to pin that exact image right up on Pinterest. You can see this in action by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com. The name of the plugin is called jQuery, pin it button for images. That's the letter J and then query, pin it button for images. What's really cool about this is it allows you to do a lot of cool capabilities on the customization side. For example, you can determine whether or not you want it to show up on just posts versus pages versus categories. And what I think is perhaps one of the more important capabilities is you can set the minimum resolution on which the pin it button should show up. We have it set at Social Media Examiner to show up on only images that are larger than 200 by 200 pixels. This makes it so that if people are just randomly um, moving their cursor across the page over a little image, that the darn pin it button does not show up. I think that's one of the unique differentiators of this. You can also indicate where you want the pin it button to appear when someone hovers over the image. And you have all sorts of different locations where you can put it, which I think is really cool. If you uh, miss the name of it, it's it's jQuery, pin it button, for images. And we will have this information in the show notes. And I'll tell you how to get to the show notes uh, at the end of the show. Okay, one last thing before we get into the interview. Do you have questions about podcasting, blogging, or social media in general? Would you like to possibly be on this show? Uh, We're looking for your questions. And if you visit our voicemail hotline at socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail, you can leave your verbal message from any browser, maybe even a mobile device. I haven't tested it. And you have about 60 to 90 seconds to leave that message. If I like it, uh, it may show up in a future episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. 
and we'll also profile that um, on our website. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. All right. Well, with that, let's transition over to today's interview with David Seitman Garland. You're going to love this. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm very excited to be joined today by David Seitman Garland. If you don't know who David is, he's the host of the Rise to the Top show. His video and audio podcasts are focused on equipping bloggers, podcasters, and YouTubers to help them grow a sustainable business with their platforms. He also wrote a book called Smarter, Faster, Cheaper, Fluff-Free Strategies for Marketing and Promoting Your Business. David, welcome to the show. Michael, it is awesome to be here. I just feel blessed that I was asked. To be hey, well, the, you know, this is the, the first time you've been on here. my show, and I know I've been on your show quite a few times, so it's nice to return the favor. <laughs> I think it's like six to one now, but we're good. It's great. I'm excited to be here. So today, David and I are going to explore how you can use your platform to generate real revenue for your business. Now, before we get started, for those of you that are listening right now, um, this podcast is really for either A, the person who has their own business and wants to figure out how to make more money with the platform that they built, or B, the person that is working inside of a business and maybe has a side thing that they've got going on and they're trying to figure out how to make some revenue with that. So David, my first question is, a lot of people listening right now are really creating great content, but they haven't figured out how to make any money or they're struggling to make money. Um, And maybe it's just a hobby. What do you want to say to those people? Yeah, I mean, you know, classic problem here. And and, it, and it's funny because I see a lot of people that are kind of in this space of the platform space, let's just call it. Um, and, they, and they often fall into, you know, kind of one of two categories. And on category number one is exactly what you just mentioned. It's like they, it's kind of a hobby. They're trying to figure it out. They don't know exactly what to do, but they have great content. And then on the other hand, you kind of have what's known as sort of like the classic quote unquote, internet marketers who figured out how to make money, but necessarily their content isn't that great. Um, and so that the, the left side that I just mentioned, the one that you just mentioned about people with great content, but are struggling to make money. What I'm going to say to them is that, you know, you are really positioned extremely well to make money. It's just that you might not know exactly how to do it. And this is something that I faced when I started. And so I'm telling you right now, if your content is good and you've been creating great stuff, you you can really turn this from something that's sort of a side hobby or whatever you want to do into like a legitimate, you know, six figure plus business, uh, just the way that I've done. And a lot of, you know, friends of mine have done. Um, It really is something that's very attainable. So don't freak out if you don't quite have the strategy yet. Okay, so for the blogger listening or the podcaster or the person that's got a really growing YouTube channel, why are they in a good position to be able to make money with this? Well, you know, that's the thing that's funny about this is that is that the, the struggling point a lot of times um, is, is just really lacking a strategy to kind of come up and generate revenue. It, like, you know, the harder part, in my opinion, right, is is really doing the things that those folks already do well. Uh, which is building an audience, building a community, building people that trust you, right? Like how, you know, that's kind of the trickier part. It's just that the monetizing angle can be brought in, you know, to that pretty simply. So let me give an example. The hardest thing to do 
is to start with no platform and no product. That's the hardest thing to do, right? Because it's like, what do I do first? Do I build a platform? Do I build a product? Platform, product, chicken, egg. No one knows what to do. Um, but if you already have the platform, you're already 50% there. We just have to kind of work on your strategy a little bit um, to you know, really generate that revenue. And, and I got to tell you, you got to feel comfortable about this because I had no idea when I started, and I, I run now multiple six-figure you know business uh, that I run from out of my condo um, with my online platform. And when I started, though, I didn't have a clue about monetizing or figuring the stuff out, and it really took a lot of trial and error to get there. Um, but it's definitely very attainable um, for folks that have a platform for sure. Yeah, and let me just add a few thoughts here. Um, I've always been a proponent that you need to build the platform. Um, and then once you have a platform, you can do anything. And here's why. If you think about it, most mark, most businesses that market their products, what do they do? They pay the people that have the platform to be in front of those people, right? Absolutely. Think about this traditionally. Absolutely. Television, magazines, radio. Radio has listeners. Magazines have people that receive their magazine. Uh, television has viewers. They have built over decades these massive platforms upon which all other businesses are highly reliable. Now, if you can build that platform, which you already have for next to nothing using new technology, then you can really accomplish a lot because as David said earlier, that's the hardest thing to do. So David, let's talk a little bit about what you've been able to do. Tell me about what your platform is today and um, tell us what you built. Yeah, for sure. And, and by the way, one little side note on that too is think about also even going one step further with that kind of media analogy. Think about the people that are really like the the individuals or the personal brands, whether it's the athletes or the hosts or the different things like that. Those are the ones that really can generate it from that as well. You know what I mean? Beyond just kind of like a faceless station. Um, for sure. So, you know, so my platform, The Rise at Top, you know, I started in 2008 um, and it really started as very simply an interview show for entrepreneurs. Um, and it's evolved big time since then, you know, over, you know, 7 million viewers and, and things like that over time um, that it's evolved. And now the show focuses primarily on what I call mediapreneurs, which is exactly what we kind of talked about earlier, people, the platform and things like that. Um, and, you know, what was interesting is, as I, as I was kind of going on this journey of building this platform and, and gaining subscribers and doing these different things, I realized that I was pretty good at creating content. And that's something, you know, Mike, you talk about all the time on your show, you know, great content and on, on social, right. social media examiner. And I was pretty good at building my audience. I was pretty good at getting out there. You know, I'm kind of loud and obnoxious, you know, I get my way out there one way or another. But where I struggled was, how am I really going to turn this into a sustainable, long-term, and like awesome business, right? So I tried everything. So I've done things like, you know, speaking on stage and getting paid for it. Um, you know, individual coaching and consulting. Uh, sponsorships and partnerships. Uh, I've done online events. I've done online courses. The list goes on because there's so many ways that you can monetize a platform that it really doesn't come down to okay, which one's going to be best? It really comes down to which one do you really want to do and you're excited about um, and that you're going to really go full out on and that you feel comfortable with because there's a million ways to do it. Um, but for me, through trial and error, I kind of discovered the ones that I liked and discovered the ones that I didn't like. So I'm just going to add a little bit to, since David kind of uh, 
uh, glossed. I said flossed. <laughs> he I was fl- flossing and glossing. <laughs> he quickly flossed over, um, uh, glossed over what he uh, what he does today. Um, what David does today is he releases a um, a weekly. Is, it, is that about right, David? A weekly show. Yep. And he interviews. Uh, tell us the kind of people you interview. Yeah. So yeah. So from a content perspective, what I do is I, I, I publish two brand new things every single week. On Thursdays, I interview what I call mediapreneurs. So people that have an online platform and we discuss things like, you know, how they grew it, how they're making money from it, you know, things like that. Um, you know, like Michael's been on the show multiple times talking about different things with Social Media Examiner. Um, and we also have people come on sometimes also to teach as well, share some insights, do some teaching, you know, how to buy ads or something like that. So we, we kind of have that combination of sort of stories and teaching in both video and audio on Thursdays. And then on Mondays, I do DSG TV, which is my YouTube videos, which are, you know, shorter, shorter, um, you know, three to six minute videos um, where I go into a specific concept or thought about, you know, kind of mediapreneurship in general. And we, we really focus on the areas of, um, you know, building the platform, growing the audience and generating revenue. So it's usually one of those types of three things that we create every single week. And the good news is you have heard everything. I mean, you have interviewed oh, yeah. so oh, many God. people. You really are qualified for this interview today. So let's start with this first question. Before anyone should consider monetizing their platform, what first must be in place? Or said another way, what questions must they ask themselves to know whether they're ready? Yeah, that great question. And, and you know, before you, you consider monetizing your platform, I mean, the, I mean, the first thing that you really need to have um, is you have to have some kind of email subscriber base, you know, some kind. Like, I, like I, people are always asking for like a, a concrete number here. I can't necessarily give you a concrete number because I've seen it done many different ways. I've seen people that can generate, you know, six figures from hundreds of email subscribers. And I've seen people that struggle because they didn't really have a great strategy that had 100,000 email subscribers. So it, it's not necessarily the size that matters in this case, um, but it's having subscribers um, is very, very important. Second of all is having some, you know, something that I know Mike is very passionate about and so am I, is actually having a brand in place um, where, you know, your site is legitimate. And what do I mean by that? I don't necessarily mean you have zillions of traffic or anything like that. But what I mean is that you actually have, you know, a brand. It looks good. You know, when people come there, they can tell that, you know, you're serious about this. It's not just some like sort of uh, random template that's thrown up, if you will. That's that's another thing to kind of think about when it, in terms of monetizing. And um, by the way, let's pause there for a second. I call that overcoming the who are you objection. When someone comes yep. to your website and they uh, look at something that looks professional, um, that looks like what they would expect from a business that they would want to buy from rather than some just fly-by-night thing, that will help increase the likelihood that you'll be successful. So keep going, David. Yeah, totally agree. Um, another Another type of thing to think about is is really, you know, we're going to talk in a minute and talk a little bit more about kind of knowledge-based things where you take something that you already know and you can package it up and turn that into a product. But, you know, there, there's something that you know right now, um, you know, that is probably going to be able to be monetized that you might not be thinking about. So you, you, we'll get more into that. But a lot of people kind of miss that step of even thinking like there's a lot of people that sit there and say, Oh, why me? Or I'm not ready. Or, you know, I'm waiting for the perfect time on the perfect day, on the perfect hour, at the perfect minute, on the perfect second to monetize. 
Um, it's not really that simple when it comes to that. There's not going to be this time where the monetization fairy comes down and ordains you that you're now ready to make money from your site. Um, but having the brand in place, having an audience in place, having a consistent posting schedule in place for at least a, a certain period of time, you know, to, you know, on your site where you're posting every Tuesday or every Thursday or wherever it might be, these things, having them in place um, are critical before you kind of move on to the monetization. And I, I, just to cue off of what you said, if people are asking you questions, you know, because you have a platform, right? Everyone who's listening should have this platform in place. If people are regularly asking you questions about something, that's probably an indicator that that's something you could create. Isn't that right, David? Oh my God, that is so nail on the head. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's so so. The main way that I generate kind of revenue through uh, the rise to the top is through by creating online courses, you know, and selling them to people, and uh, you know, getting them results. And, you know, when I first kind of got into that journey, I just didn't know what to do. And it was right under my nose the entire time. So what I realized was when I went into my emails and when I went into social media and, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all these different things, and I said, what are people asking me about? You know, if I'm in an event and someone comes up to me, what are they asking me about? Like, what is their question that they, that they have? What are the questions? And for me, what I realized early on um, this was a few years ago, people were always asking me about my show. They wanted to know, how do I get guests to interview? How do I shoot and edit the show? How do I market and promote the show? How does a show make money? How, do, how can I do this? And I realized that there was an opportunity there for something that I've already done, you know, that I can then package up and teach other people to do, get them big results, and generate revenue from it. And if you start thinking like that, start thinking about, kind of your unique experiences of things that you're doing that you could then package up and sell to people, um, you know, it's incredibly powerful. Like, like Mike, you've done this just in, in different mediums. For example, you know, you, you, did, you did an online event where you kind of taught people about how to create a kind of a social media examiner-like blog, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had this uh, you know blogging, I mean? like, blogging fundamentals, I called it, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but using your for strategies business. where you could come in and say, like, here's my results. Here's something I know, and I want to share this with you so you can use it. You know, and this, that was with your book and different things. And, you know, it, it's people have unique experiences that you have right now that you've either experienced yourself, so you've done it, or you've done it for someone else. So meaning you've lost 50 pounds or, and or you've taught those five people how to lose 50 pounds and here's their photos, you know? Um, either or is, is the way that you can start to think about this. Like when I started, and this I think is such an important point, when I started the rise to the top, I didn't view myself, and I'm putting this in air quotes, so everyone picture me doing air quotes right now, but I didn't picture myself as a, expert <laughs> in air quotes because I just viewed myself as sort of a content creator and all that kind of stuff. And then when I made that shift to understand that I had something valuable to teach people that could really, really help them, that's when my business started to take off because I started to change sort of the positioning a little bit from sort of random blog platform to, you know, person who can actually help you. And when you get to that mentality and that shift, um, I think you become, you know, much more in a much more powerful position to generate revenue. Okay. So, um, let's explore just super fast and then we'll, we'll, we'll pick a, a one or two to, to zoom deep into, but let's explore some of the ways that, um, someone can monetize their platform. Can you kind of give me the high level overview? 
Sure. And, and, and by the way, note on this high level overview, this is the biggest religious debate of all time. Do you know what I mean? Like more than any religion, it's like everyone is in different camps when it comes to generating revenue and they're all going to tell you that theirs is the best. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. Um, and, and, and mine too. I'm, I'm in a camp as well. And so realize it's whatever's best for you, whatever resonates with you, because it's all these work in some form or fashion. It just depends on where you want to go. So let's talk about how, how the top mediapreneurs really monetize their platforms. Okay, I'm going to run through a few. Number one is sponsorships and advertising. Okay. Right. And I could even give a pro and con for each, but uh, sponsorships and advertising. Yeah, give a quick pro and con for each one. Okay. Pros of sponsorship and advertising is that if you are lucky enough and persistent enough to get a sponsor or advertiser, it can be a huge revenue windfall for you, meaning coming in. The negatives is your life now depends on that revenue windfall. <laughs> so if a sponsor or advertiser wakes up on the wrong side of the bed in the morning, uh, they get moved to a different position, they decide they don't want it anymore, you could be out of tons of money and potentially out of business, and that's dangerous because you don't control your revenue. And they okay? also may uh, potentially try to leverage or influence the kind of content you create in their behavior in their, on their behalf. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Which, and a lot of this stuff, by the way, guys, yeah. I've experienced myself. So, yeah. you know, one way or another. And, um, so, so you have sponsorships and advertising. Number two, um, is, and this one's usually the easiest one to start. Easiest one to start is one-on-one -on -one personal coaching or consulting with people, right. On something. Um, and the pros of that, it can, it, it's the easiest one to start. <laughs> uh, the cons are you are trading dollars for hours and at some point you might want to punch yourself in the face. Um, because anyone that's worked with clients or customers knows we love them. They're great. That's awesome. But you know what? If you're looking to create sort of a business that you can run on your schedule with your rules, with your freedom, it can be a little tricky when you get to that point, Right. Totally. And, so, and I should say, I should state that it is a really easy way to make money in the short run, but in the long run, there's a glass ceiling. There's only so many hours you have to sell. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. And so the other kind of two big ones, and of course there's group coaching and things like that, and that has a little bit more leverage, but that's a whole other story. Um, the other two big ones I want to get into is, is, you know, affiliate deals, right? Which is similar to sponsorships and advertising, except for instead of getting paid up front, you're promoting other people and you're getting paid per sale. Um, so you're going to have less upfront money, but you could have more potential revenue down the line. Um, the negatives, though, uh, are kind of lack of control, which is the same one with sponsorships, uh, meaning that, you know, it's not going to be 100% dependent on you. Like someone could stop an affiliate program, you know, hypothetically, something like that. Well, not only um, that, but you never know if your audience is interested in what it is you're offering and you exactly, may never make anything exactly. on it. Exactly. Right. And then the final one, um, which is really kind of my favorite category, and I have some specifics in this category, I really, well, there's final two. One's another one, which you do, Mike, which is online events. Right, online events or in-person events um, is another great way that people can monetize online platforms. And you know, uh, there, there's there's a lot of positives to it. Um, you know, it can generate great revenue. It can really help people. I think on more. It, and Mike, I'd be interested to hear a negative from you as well because you have even more experience than me with this. Um, one negative on on some of these events, besides in-person ones, can be a little bit expensive to put on. Um, but one negative that I've kind of noticed from online, if I were to choose one, a negative is that, um, you know, 
after the event's kind of over, it's sort of over. Um, so it's not necessarily something you could sell the recordings, but people get less exciting excited of recordings yeah you have to constantly reinvent yourself so unlike an ebook that you're trying to sell or something you don't want you don't want necessarily the recordings from the online event that was nine months ago exactly if you feel like it was that but if it's something else that's more evergreen you know then there's a chance that you could be making sales 24 7 and for me that's very lucrative right i I don't know if you could add another any other positive no i think i think you've i mean yeah i mean it's a lot of work obviously an enormous it's it's probably the most difficult thing to do period yep so that's the negative you know what i mean it's the most amount of work and you know this david it's it it makes all the other stuff look tiny (laughs) as far as the work sweating for like two weeks when i did it i was like literally like (laughs) sweating here i like had to get i had like 15 new shirts but um you know uh, and then the final one, which is a, a relatively broad category, so I'll break it down, is your own products. And I think this is a sweet spot uh, for sure. And, and, and your own products can be, you know, whether you're creating a, a software program or something like that, or what we all kind of know as an information product where you're packaging up something that you know and turning that into, um, you know, a course or a product that you can sell, which is my personal favorite. Um, yeah, let's talk about that then. Because, yeah. I mean, bottom line is um, all these things are options, folks. And the good news is you'll find a million experts in every one of these categories. Um, but I think that um, if you have some unique knowledge that you know um, people are interested in, then I think exploring this online course thing is very, very effective. And I've only done it once. David's done it a lot more than I have. So, um let me ask you this question. When you do an online course, David, should it be um, just you being the expert? Should you bring in other experts? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, either way. Um, I've seen them done successfully both. I mean, you know, here's what you got to realize on an online course. And this is why I think I like, again, on our religious debate here, <laughs> this is why my religion's the best, right? Um, is is what I love about it is that with an online course, you can do a ton of work up front, and get paid for it over and over and over again. You know, as long as your promotions go and as long as you're promoting it, you can get paid for it without taking necessarily more of your time, you know? And another thing is that it really does punch dollars for hours in the face because you're not trading your time for money. And also, they sell at a premium price over any other kind of like information product. So like an ebook or something like that. And when something sells for a premium price, you're going to end up with premium buyers and you're also going to end up with better buyers, in my opinion. And also, you'll need less of them to generate a huge amount of revenue, which I think is amazing. Now, um, there's, there's just a real quick, before we get into what to charge here, a couple yeah. thoughts here. Um, you could obviously do um, a live course, and yeah. you could record that course, and then you could have it uh, be available forever. Or you could do what my friend Cliff Ravenscraft does, which is basically he turns it on, and then he turns it off. And then he turns it on, and then yeah. he turns it off. Um, so there's so many different ways to do it, but the good news about what Cliff does is like maybe every 60 days he opens up his course and there is a bit of a live component to it, but it just keeps getting better every time he does it. And he limits the number of people that come to the course and it's turned out to be a really, really, uh, good thing for him. Um, so I don't know if you have any other yeah. thoughts on the way yeah, a course I mean, could I got, be done. I got a few thoughts on it. It's interesting because yeah. I actually differ on, on my viewpoint of that. Well, a couple of things. Number one is yeah, you can do it either way. You can do a course, just to answer your question from before, Mike, was that you can do a course where you're teaching everything. You can do a course where you're sort of the interviewer and you bring in experts to teach 
Um, but make sure, you know, that it all goes together. Like, don't just have like a bunch of random experts that come in and just kind of teach on something. Like if I were to do an expert related course, I would have expert one, maybe talk about how to get started. Expert two, what to do next. Expert three, what to do next. So right. like, you make it a natural progression. And of course it could be a hybrid, uh, of you teaching and also bringing in some special guests. Actually, my latest one, I did that where I teach it all, but then occasionally I'll bring in a special person to go a little bit deeper or talk about their expertise. So there's multiple ways to do it. Um, and just like you said, there's also multiple ways to deliver it. Um, and the, the two major ways of delivering it, uh, for the most part are that you do it live and I'm putting that in quotes. Um, it is live, but basically you launch it, you sell it, then you do it, <laughs> then you, and you close it basically. So meaning, you know, it's like something like you said, the kind of the cliff model or, or other people that do that where they kind of open it and they close it. Um, the model that I like the best, and I, I have nothing against that. He rocks out with it. A lot of people rock out with the live model. Um, I'm not knocking the live model at all. I think it's a great option. But for me and kind of the goals that I have and a lot of my kind of customers and clients have, we really like the idea of sort of generating freedom um, for ourselves and having the ability for people to access the course uh, 365 days a year. So, Meaning start it whenever they want. Start it whenever they want and finish whenever they want. You can guide them along, of course, but they get everything. Um, and you're not constantly re-recording and re- redoing it and redoing it live. Um, and so, for example, my Create Awesome Interviews course, the way that I did it was um, I recorded every single thing in advance. Um, on day one, when everyone purchased it, uh, they got access to it, okay? The first month or so of people buying, or no, it wasn't even the first month, the first, whatever, 10 days of people buying, um, if you bought then, then I would also do some live bonus Q&A sessions with you as well. So there was kind of that live component added in as for to kind of reward the early buyers, okay? But then here's, the, here's why I like this model. Because, again, it's the believer of you do a lot of work up front, you get paid for it over and over again. Marketing and promoting a course takes some effort and some time, and it's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of, you know, it, it takes some effort to do this. And for me, I didn't want to also be recording and doing the next module and also marketing and promoting it and also doing that and also doing these different things at the same time and doing customer service, all these different things. So what I wanted to do was get it all done, have it out there as basically a self-study that people can go at their pace and then have a process where people could enroll um, at different times throughout the year. And, you know, that kind of one shift there took create awesome interviews from a course that was doing, you know, 20 to $30,000 to several hundred thousand dollars, um, by allowing it to be more evergreen. Now, one of the questions I'm sure that people are wondering right now is this sounds really intriguing, but I have no clue what to charge. What, what advice would you give them? Is there some sort of magic number? Yeah, there's uh yeah, the magic number is no. There is a uh, I'd love to. Wouldn't that be fun if we had that by <laughs> yeah, the way? That yeah. would just solve our entire interview would be 10 seconds. I just say this is the inter- this is the number. Um there's not a magic number but there is sort of a magic philosophy in my opinion on this. Um and this was something that actually was hammered home by a couple friends of mine when I was getting started with this a couple years ago is that you know, you want to be at the premium end of your market. You want to be the Saks Fifth Avenue. You don't want to be Walmart, okay? Um, and the reason for that is because 
well, for many reasons, besides the premium buyers and besides the effort that you're going to put into this course, um, you know, it really comes down to a positioning thing as well. Do you want to be the cheapest on the block or do you want to be a premium? And so one of the kind of things that I encourage people to do and something that I did, look at the top end of your market. You know, if, you're, if your market's fly fishing, basketball, home decorating, massages, online business, social media, whatever it is, look at the higher end of your market and your particular customer. Um, and look at other things that are available and where those price points are at. And you want to be in that range. Um, you want to you be in that range. You don't have to work yourself up to that range. You want to be in that range. What is and, the range? Just so people, because a lot of people might not have any clue where what the typical range is for these kinds of products. I mean, you know, for, my, for the way that I want to go with it, it's going to be 97 to 2,000, gotcha. in my opinion. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, somewhere in there. Um, with 97 being a very low end. Now, it, and it depends on the topic, of course. Uh, but here's here's a couple things to keep in mind if you're going to have maybe some mental, pro, mental mental issues trying to justify why you should charge a premium price. Um, here's, a, here's a couple of things, because I went through this too, so that's why I totally understand. Um, number one, um, and this was pointed out by a good friend of mine, Ryan Lee, he was saying from a business owner's perspective, so from my perspective, he said that when you go out there and market and promote it, it's going to be just as hard or easy, depending on how you look at it, to promote something at 97 as it is at 497. He's like, there's going to be effort at both ways. It's going to be the same amount of effort, and you're going to get higher quality customers. You're going to get higher quality people in. You know, you might, let's say you sell uh, 100 at 97, or you could sell 60 at 497. You know, what's going to be better? Okay, well, that kind of answers that. And, but, it, but, and also, if you make it too inexpensive, you actually will sell less, believe it or not. Yep, it's, it's true. It's very true. And then another good friend of mine took the customer's perspective. This is Marie Forleo. I was talking to her about it, and she said, you know, David, when you're packaging up, think about all the time. Think about all the money. Think about all the aggravation that you're going to save people. You know, think about how much it would cost to hire you to teach you all this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And the next thing you know, I'm adding up these numbers and these things and the aggravation in my head. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, this really is a heck of a deal. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, my encouragement is not to sell yourself short. You know, there's a myth out there that people have to start with lower end products before moving to something premium. Um, I've completely disproved that myself. And I've also seen that disproved by many other people. You do not have to start with something that's like $5 and then move your way up uh, to something that's premium. You can, you can come out of the gate with something strong like this. Um, and I guarantee you, not only are you going to be getting better people in that actually take action on it, because that's what it's all about is getting people results. Um, but you will also do literally a happy dance every time you make a sale. Um, and I literally do a happy dance. It's real awkward. Um, but you know, and, and when you, when you do that, you take pride in your business, you take pride in getting people results. And, and that's when you have something that's legitimate out there. David, someone listening right now is saying in their head, I can't do this. What do you say to the skeptic? Well, I said, you know, first of all, we got to change that, right? Because it's going to be, if you keep thinking that, it, well, if you keep thinking that you're not, you're going to have trouble anyway. Um, but you know, I got to be honest. I thought that too. When I was starting, I was like, God, who am I? I don't know Like, if I'm going to be able to do this. I, I don't know what to do. And, and here's the thing though. You just have to think in your mind, You know, go through those objections one-on-one -one and say, what's the worst thing that can happen? Because here's what I want you to think about. And this is where I think the magic sauce is. Think about waking up in the morning, rolling over, grabbing your phone like you're not supposed to when you wake up, but we all do it anyway. And 
you know, you look on there and you've got two emails. And the first email says, sale, $997. Well, that's a pretty good feeling and a good start to the day. You're going to freaking do a little dance, aren't you? And the second one says, you know, here's a testimonial about all the results that I've gotten from the course. And if you can start to visualize how good that's going to feel to both be generating that revenue and to also really getting people results, I think it's going to move you past that mental block. That's awesome. Um, David, I, I know you've got a couple uh, free videos that people can watch to learn more about how to do this kind of stuff. Can you tell us where we can find those videos and also where people can learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to send everyone over to uh, it's createawesomeonlinecourses.com. So it's createawesomeonlinecourses.com. And I put together some very high quality, fun, free video training that's going to that's going to really help you get started, get over some of these things that we kind of talked about today and really kind of hold your hand and go step by step and help you out with this for sure. And that's going to be the best, best place for folks to check it out. Awesome. And be sure to find his rise to the top show on iTunes. I listen to it every week. David Seitman Garland, thank you so much for um, providing a lot of great value in today's interview. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Mike. It's been an absolute blast. Thanks for having me on. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview uh, with David Seidman Garland. Be sure to check out his podcast, The Rise to the Top. Okay, well, if uh, there was anything that we mentioned in this podcast that you missed, you can get our show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 50. That'll get you right over uh, to this episode, and that's five zero. And you can see everything that we talked about in this podcast. Also want to suggest a few things to you. If you have iTunes and you're not already a subscriber, please do visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. That'll take you directly into iTunes uh, on your computer or on your mobile device where you can hit the subscribe button so you won't miss a future episode. Also, while you're there, click on ratings and reviews and give us a star rating. You just hover over the stars and pick whatever star rating you think is best. And if you can, we'd love a review. Well, this does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. It's an absolute blast to do this every week. And I will continue to do this every week as long as I have breath. So thank you so much. I am your host, Michael Stelzner. And I hope to see you next week. And I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.